Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's safety chat. Hi, this is Nick Koya with the Portage County Safety Council, and I'm accompanied today by Pat. Pat is one of our steering team members, and I want to thank you today for coming out and speaking with us. It's my pleasure. So one of the things that we've been discussing at the Safety Council level, and I see when I'm out in the field, and I'm sure you see similar things, is confined space programs, and they're not always implemented the way they should be. So I think this is a great time for us to talk as an organization about confined spaces, but we need to define what that is. Is it the bathroom stall? Is it a silo? What is a confined space? OSHA does a pretty good job at defining confined spaces as areas that have limited means of egress or ingress that aren't designed for continuous human occupancy and that are large enough that you can bodily enter and perform work. So that's how we define a confined space, and they have to meet all three of those, correct? Right. Is there a second version to this? Is there like a permit required then, correct? That's absolutely right. A permit required confined space has at least one of these characteristics. It has a potential engulfment hazard, like a grain bin or a a sewer tank or something like that, or a toxic atmosphere or an oxygen deficient atmosphere or any other serious recognized safety hazard. All right. So like if we had an auger bit running in the bottom of a a bin or some type of area, that could be a concern as another type of hazard. That's a great example. So when we have these things, we obviously should have some type of confined space program in our organization that includes training and documentation. Right. If your employees enter a confined space, a permit required confined space, uh, you do have to have a written program that includes those things, training, documentation, rescue plan, attendance, written roles for for every participant. And I think one of the things that we see when it comes to confined space is that there's many steps to develop this, but one of those steps that at least I see often overlooked is the rescue plan. That's true. I spent many years in uh, manufacturing and now work for an insurance company, and I spent many years also as a volunteer or part-time firefighter, and I've seen this just exactly what you're saying. Uh, Folks tend to not necessarily ignore, but don't do a good job at coming up with their rescue plan. They just assume that maybe nothing's going to go wrong and they just check a box. So when we're developing a written program or we're kind of coming up with this action plan that we can work with in our organization, what are some options? What what does it outline that our options are for rescue? The rescue plan's at the discretion of the employer and they've got several options that they can choose from. They can have their own employees, an on-site team of trained and equipped rescuers, or they can hire a contractor that specializes in confined space rescue, or they can call 911 and ask the fire department to respond to do the rescue. One caveat there, not in the confined space standard, but in the respiratory protection standard, it says that if employees are working in a confined space that contains an atmosphere that's immediately dangerous to life and health, and we won't go into that definition here, but something that can kill you pretty quickly, then the rescue people have to be actually on site. It's not you call them if something goes wrong, but they actually have to be there during the work. So an on-site team of trained employees with the proper equipment or hire a contractor or dial 9 Now, with that said, and you you kind of alluded to that there's a uh, respiratory protection standard that we need to evaluate. Is it a little bit different? Is there some differences between construction and general industry too? Not a whole lot. The standard was updated a few years ago for construction, and it pretty well follows along with the general industry standard. But if I had a construction company, I'd want to look into that construction standard piece. Exactly. You'd want to look at 1926 instead of 1910. That's correct. When we're looking at these options, you know, be 
it a, res- a rescue team or the fire department or whatever it is, can we as an organization opt to do a self-rescue, meaning I have an entrant and attendant and I put a body harness on them with a retrieval line and I'm going to have the attendant do the rescue piece? That's required on every permit required confined space entry. Unless it creates more of a hazard, more of a danger to the entrant, there needs to be some type of retrieval system so the attendant can't, without entering the confined space, can pull the entrant out of there. But every permit required confined space entry also requires rescue plan in case something goes wrong and the attendant can't perform the self-rescue, for lack of a better term. So we need to go above and beyond just that self-rescue. Exactly. So with that said, we really have some options that exist. And one of those is to develop my own rescue team. I'm sure I couldn't just walk around the factory floor and say, Johnny and Jimmy and, and Jack over here, you're on a rescue team, come stand by. There's probably a little more to that and some training that's involved, correct? Exactly. Whatever option you choose, you have to make sure that the rescuers are properly equipped and then properly trained to not only do the physical rescue but to use the equipment that they have. You have to make sure that they're available when you need them. And it's your responsibility to familiarize them with the confined spaces at your facility, the hazards that are in them, and make the spaces available or similar spaces available so they can do on-site practice, whether it's your internal team or whether it's a contractor or whether it's the local fire department. Your responsibilities are basically the same. You know, and that brings up an interesting point to think about also is local fire department. Do I just call 911 when the emergency happens? Or should we be having pre-discussions to see if they're even trained or equipped to respond to this type of emergency? That's the biggest mistake I see people making. On their permit, they'll just say rescue plan, call 911, and that's it. They don't contact the fire department. They don't ask them if they're capable of doing that. They don't ask them if they're available that day. I was on a a small, semi-rural fire department here in Portage County for a long time, and it was our policy that we did not do confined space rescues. We didn't do trench rescues. We didn't do hazardous materials. We didn't do rescues from height. We called county resources for that. We had some little industries in the town and in the township, and I'm reasonably sure that once in a while there was confined space activity going on there, but we never once got a call to find out if we did that kind of stuff or if we were available, nor did we ever see any contractors in town. So we're pretty sure that they were relying on us to do something that we couldn't do. And that's not the time you want to find out that the fire department isn't prepared or prepped for that is when the emergency happens. We should be pre-planning this. Exactly. And the regulation requires that. And so, you know, as we talk about confined spaces, there's so many areas that we could cover and there's so much information out there. But I thought rescue was a great conversation today because it's often overlooked. It's an easy box just to check because we say, oh, we clean that part all the time. We do this five times a year. There's no problem. But when it goes south, it goes south bad. Exactly. And it might not be a confined space issue. Someone could go in there and get sick, pass out, have a heart attack, something like that. Yeah. And it's hard to plan for that if we don't plan. And that's that's really what needs to happen with the rescue piece that we don't see happening. If individuals want to find out some more information on rescue or just on this topic itself with confined space, what are some resources that are available for them? Well, certainly they can look at the confined space standards in the OSHA regulation. There's a general industry standard in Part 1910. There's a construction standard in Part 1926. There's a maritime standard. I believe that's Part 1915. There is no agriculture standard. OSHA relies on the general duty clause and uses the general industry standard in 1910 as a point of reference. There are also other industry standards, NFPA standards. The Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation has resources. OSHA has training resources. The OSHA on-site consultation services. There are just a ton of good resources out there to learn more about. 
confined space uh, entry. So if you listen to this podcast and you take a look at your facility and you identify that you fall into what's deemed a confined space and then realize that you have permit required confined spaces, there's lots of resources to help you out there to prepare for this. But just remember not to broad brush stroke over the rescue piece and to take that into consideration because if something does go wrong, you don't want to be trying to figure that out at the last minute. Exactly right, Nick. All right. Thank you, Pat, so much for coming out today. Everyone be safe. Thanks, Nick. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbeam, or Stitcher. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. To learn more about how your company can earn up to a 4% Ohio BWC premium rebate by becoming an active member of the Portage County Safety Council, please visit our website at www.portagecountysafetycouncil.wordpress.com. The preceding information is for entertainment purposes only. Views expressed may not reflect the views of any affiliated or sponsoring individuals or organizations. Listeners should carefully weigh information provided and seek advice from an appropriate professional before implementing. Listener discretion is advised.